Birdman hands. The heat wave is continuing. We are on the New York Giants today as we start off the NFC East. And just in case you are wondering, during this preview, we are going to be throwing stats at you like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And the way we're going to get these stats is the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. We've been doing this for six years now. Seven years. We've been doing the heat wave for five years. The podcast for seven years. Average out six years. So what we've been doing is we've been getting all the stats we need. We've been curating stats for years. And we said, hey, it takes forever. We need to do this more efficiently. So we created an app. The Fantasy Football by Brodo app gives you all the tools you need to become your own expert and dominate fantasy football in one place. And it's free. And the reason it's free is because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash fantasy. Come support us. And also for as little as $3 a month, you get access to our Discord, where we are always giving out advice. Um, today, we're just talking, giving some advice today. Um, extra Broto Leagues. Extra episode during the season. Uh, did I say the Broto Leagues? I think I said the Broto Leagues already. Uh, prizes. Did I mention prizes? Merch? We give out a great water bottle that's like keeps your keeps your stuff cold. Like, come on, come get a water bottle and come get some fantasy football advice. The heat wave continues, baby, and it's gonna continue in five, four, three, two. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. The old countdown to cover your mistakes trick. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, yeah. Classic uh, Tim. <laughs> the, we are brought to you by the Fantasy Football by Brutal Ab. Never forget. And that voice you heard, that sexy baritone that you just heard, was from my brother, the man hey. himself, lead analyst and editor at Brutal Fantasy, Mike Batrop. And I am joined by uh, Matt Ward, Matthew Ward, the Dynasty Don himself, and the lead writer and the... Um, DOC, Director of Content at Roto Fantasy. What's good, Matty? Always good to be here with you guys. Heat wave, keep it going. I, I, I can't stress this enough, the heat wave. If you're not watching on YouTube, go watch on YouTube, youtube.com slash Roto Fantasy. It, it is so hot in the studio. We just like completely slacked on putting any cool things in here. We don't even have a fan. It's ridiculous. And my bald head is shining. So, like, it, it's going it, to... You might need suntan lotion if you're watching on YouTube right now. That's all I got to say about that. Um, speaking of suntan lotion, this uh, this Giants offense came out of nowhere last year. It was pretty hot and got themselves a massive, massive, massive contract for their uh, for their fifth year quarterback, uh, Mr. Daniel Jones. So the question is, can they continue? And you know, I was just listening to uh, you know, this is not a this is not a free this is a free plug. Usually I wouldn't do this, but I was just listening to uh, the play callers on the athletic, and it gives you a really in-depth look at the Shanahan coaching tree, and it really gives you an idea, if you didn't already know, uh, if it gives you an idea of how important offensive systems and offensive coaches are to the success of players. And nothing could be exemplified more than that than what happened. When Brian Dable, former offensive coordinator for the Bills, took over as a first-year head coach with the Giants last year. Uh, 9-8 record, got them to the playoffs. Dable was named 2022 NFL Coach of the Year um, after leading that said resurgence. Um, 
first playoff victory in 11 seasons for the Giants. They're trying to build on something here. Their offensive coordinator is also second year, Mike Kafka, former quarterback, former um formerly a disciple of Andy Reid under that tree. Uh, the offense significantly improved under Kafka's first season as coordinator. Uh, 365 points they scored last year, the Giants. That's 107 more points than they scored the year before with the same quarterback and the same everything. They averaged 334 yards a game. That was an increase of almost 50 yards a game. And then only one year average after averaging 99.3 rushing yards a game, they had 148 rushing yards per game. And their 352 first downs were 53 more than the previous season. So not only are you getting an upgrade in production, you're getting an upgrade literally everywhere across the field. Last year, they were 18th, though, in points, so right about middle of the path. Um, they were six lowest in pass percentage and six highest in run percentage. Uh, they were 50-50, straight down the middle. Uh, they've had some additions this is definitely a new look type of trying to get Daniel Jones more weapons without spending a crazy amount of money. Um, the offensive additions, tight end Darren Waller is the big one. Uh, he comes over from the Raiders. Wide receiver Paris Campbell comes over, and wide receiver Jameson Crowder, who is basically Paris Campbell six years older. Um, those two join the receiving squad. Uh, rookie Jalen Hyatt, also rookie Eric Gray, and rookie center John Mitchell Schmitz. Uh, no, no offensive subtractions really of note. They're really running this back uh, with some reinforcements. And yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into this first thing and the most important thing on this team, the quarterback. This quarterback that they are giving over $100 million to, um, Daniel Jones. Now, Daniel Jones was a fantasy stud last year, and a lot of that had to do with his rushing prowess. So the question is, can he make that happen again, or even build on top of that. Uh, what are we thinking about Mr. Daniel Jones? Yeah, in Daniel Jones's uh, breakout year last year, quote-unquote, he finished as a top-10 overall scoring quarterback in uh, fantasy points per game at over 18 points a game. He did this without a single game of more than two passing touchdowns, not one three-touchdown game the entire season. A whole ton of it was buoyed by his legs, as Tim mentioned, um, which was where the real breakout happened, if we're talking about breakouts here because he ran for over 700 yards and seven touchdowns which was huge compared to the previous seasons and brian dable really tapped into the rushing upside and daniel jones um and uh and that offense top five in both rushing categories of course um with the 707 that's all great and dandy for daniel jones but in my opinion there wasn't really a true breakout for daniel jones as a quarterback last season i think brian dable just perfectly executed a safe efficient just get it done offense in New York. Jones averaged less than seven yards per attempt, which is in the bottom third of the league. He was outside the top 20 in deep balls attempted and uh, completion percentage on those deep balls. He was still sacked in the middle of the pack. Like it's not like they, he was, uh, he was avoiding the sacks as much as they need him to either. He ended 24th in true throw value, which exemplifies the limited passing upside there as well. Without the legs, he was expected to have the 24th most valuable pass attempt among fantasy quarterbacks last year and he was just super efficient completing the short passes getting the ball in the hands of his pass catchers congrats now he gets darren waller who yes that's a nice addition but nonetheless it's still a very questionable wide receiver room i say a hodgins paris campbell who's probably going to play one and a half games before he gets injured i hope he doesn't but let's be real then you got like jalen hyatt wandell robinson who's a question mark saquon barkley now is in a holdout like question marks now across the um 
Giants pass catchers. They were the Cinderella story of last season and Brian Dable's first year. I just think it, it all it's all lining up for the Giants to have kind of like a crushing defeated season, in my opinion. Like, I don't see them making playoffs. I think they're going to slack. And I think people are going to be like, I cannot believe the Giants and Giants fans are going to be like, I cannot believe we gave Daniel Jones all this money, a mediocre quarterback. I don't believe in him at all. I don't think his ADP of QB 14 is like anything that stands out. Um, he's going to need to run a shit ton again for him to be worth um, to be a top 10 QB because he was at 10th overall last year with 707 on the ground. How much do we really need Daniel Jones to run and to improve as a passer to be a top five QB? I don't really think that happens. So I think he's just going to end up being a, uh, a decent, decent, you know, QB streaming type of guy. Maybe you could start him kind of similar to last year without as many big booms that he had. Michael, do you have a personal vendetta against Daniel Jones? Did he like hit on your girlfriend or something? He hates Vanilla Vic. He's just not very good. I mean, I don't really know what else Uh, to say about it. I mean, like, yeah, we've talked about that before multiple times throughout, you know, the pod's history is that it takes so much more than just the rushing to connect a true, like top five, top six QB season. And that's really the point per game separator that will win you your league. It's not just having a QB one. Yeah. And I think that, I think right now, Daniel Jones is the guy that people are targeting if they punted quarterback, right? His, his ADP quarterback 14, he has that rushing upside. If you're a you know a savvy player, you're looking for that rushing upside in that in that range. I think I'm not mad at you if you're the last person that picked quarterback and you're going into the season with Daniel Jones. But I do think that there is a it's like Michael is is ex, what is he's explaining is like a very classic scenario. Uh, new coach comes, gets the most out of his offense in the second year, uh, has kind of a kind of not elite talent, right? It's not like a Andy Reid getting the best out of uh, out of that. Uh, um, Chiefs offense, right, or or something of that nature, right? Doesn't have elite talent, and then they fall back in the second half when everyone kind of figures that offense out. Another thing that you that again, I was just, I'm just listening to this, so it's fresh on the mind. Another thing, like the Sean McVay offense was dominant for a year and a half, but eventually it got figured out, right? So and that happens to everybody. This it's a constantly evolving thing. So let, let's see if Brian Dable can evolve that offense, and if Daniel Jones can evolve the offense with him. And if they're going to involve evolve that offense, the main source of offense needs to come from the man, the myth, the legend, the one, the only Saquon Barkley. So let's get into these running backs because, man, these running backs, they they, they are being just disrespected right now. It's, it is running back disrespect season. Um, Saquon Barkley, there is a chance. He's definitely going to hold out. That's not that's 100%. But there is a chance that he pulls a Le'Veon Bell this year because you see that the movement to pay running backs among running backs is growing, but the movement to pay running backs across the NFL is still where it is. And, you know, I, I do think that Saquon is of the mentality and does have the self self-worth and does have kind of like the the detch not, not the um i don't know how to say it, like the personality like the demeanor there you go the demeanor to kind of just sit out a season and be like yo i'm not playing until you until you pay me uh we saw it happen with Le'Veon bell he was a top three pick in his holdout year and he completely in that 2018 season people completely wasted number two number three overall picks and 
you're taking that chance with Saquon Barkley. Now, let's assume, let's bake that chance in because there is something to be said about the fact that right now he's in a spot in the running backs room, like are between RB four and six, depending on what what expert consensus or what ADP you're looking at. That's where he's going right now. So he is on a little bit of a discount of what he's been the last few years, but you still got to take him in the first round. The question is, are you taking him other over other guys in that area? Are you taking him over Derrick Henry? Are you taking him over Austin Eckler? On top of that, are you taking over? Are you taking him over some receiving options? That are also great. Are you taking him over a guy like Cooper Cup or AJ Brown or Devontae Adams? Are you taking him over these guys uh, and taking that risk that he might not play? Because you know he's going to be a major part. I mean, not only a major part, the very most major part of the offense. Last year, he got 295 rushing attempts. That was fourth in the league and 76 targets. That was sixth in the league. Uh, an incredible, touching the ball incredibly. And the thing is, he has room to grow. Uh, scored 10 touchdowns last year, but was only 16th in red zone opportunities with 40. Um, his true target value was 16th. He can he can definitely bring that up. Um, his points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, was 30th in the NFL. So that's another thing. If he becomes more efficient between the tackles, maybe breaks a couple more big plays, he has ability to grow even more. I think that if you're looking at Saquon Barkley, you just have to ask yourself, is the risk worth the is the reward worth the risk? And I think if you're looking at just a player in a tube, I say yes, right? Draft him. But if you're looking at the player against other guys around ADP, the guys I mentioned, I'm taking Austin Eckler over him. I'm probably taking Derrick Henry over him. Um, so that's how I'm feeling about Saquon this year. Would you guys take that risk or are you taking him over guys in that tier or are you a little bit scared off by this contract situation as well? Uh, Saquon's more, he's, he's basically going in the second round in most drafts now, not really in the first, um, but like early to mid second, some people are reaching for him at, at the end of the first, probably Giants fans, but nonetheless, I, uh, yeah, I'm not of the draft Saquon team here because obviously I think the Giants offense is going to, um, regress this year and Saquon, not for nothing. If he's not, he's not practicing and stuff. It's a guy who's been injured OD times over the last several years. It's not ideal for him to just be cold going into a season. If the, if the holdout lasts True. longer and the holdout, if it goes into the season, you're kind of screwed. It's just, I give me Tony Pollard. Give me Derek Henry. If you're going to draft running back like these guys, it's not like you're passing up on Saquon to draft a James Connor type risky player. You're drafting studs either way. Yeah. Michael has a Michael is just like just just so you guys know Michael is personally has been personally disrespected by Giants brass <laughs> just overall um I I mean just for the record because we got to put it out there every fantasy viable player um I think the Giants are going to I, I they're gonna have to pay him eventually they're gonna have to because if they don't they got Matt Breida as the alternative a Brodo favorite but not a franchise piece if you're in a dynasty league maybe stash him um, but you know, nothing really to be seen there. Uh, really the interesting thing for this group is the wide receivers. They're my most interesting because you got to plant your flag on one of these guys. It's really, it's really, um, interesting to see that they're all going ADP wise right next to each other. And I'm talking about, um, Wandell Robinson, Paris Campbell, and Isaiah Hodgins. They're going Darius all in as well. And Jalen Hyatt. And Jalen Hyatt. And they're they're all kind of in the same, but those three are in the same 
like range. It's kind of like how it was last year with the Ravens. So you got to plant your flag on a guy. Um, after looking at some information, uh, I'm planting my flag on a guy, but I want to know who Matt is planting his flag on, and then I will let you know if I agree. So, Matt, which one of these guys is the guy? Is it going to be a little spread out everywhere? Is there, is it even worth drafting any of these guys? How are you looking at these wide receivers? I mean, the weirdest part about this entire wide receiver room is none of these guys can play on the outside. Absolutely none of them. Jalen Hyatt functioned 100% of his success from the slot. Wandale Robinson is five foot seven and 176 pounds and has only ever run routes from the slot. Paris Campbell last season led the league in both slot percentage and total routes run from the slot with 667. Isaiah Hodgins never won a route on the outside in his entire life. Like what are it's, I have no idea what the giants are doing. I, I will go through Paris Campbell quick first. Like his health has always been the biggest concern. He had a little, you know, nice stretch. He's had pretty good upside and undeniable talent when he is healthy, but week six through week 10 posted three top 10 wide receiver finishes, but inconsistencies, minor injuries, again, reared ugly head. And uh, he fell below double digit points in that mini hot streak as well. All in all, he finished with a 15.1% target share averaged eight point six points per game a true target value of 79th and again career high percentage of his snaps and routes run because he's never played more than six games in a season and he runs 667 routes from the slot and then Wandell Robinson undersized gadget-esque player rookie third round wide receiver Jalen Hyatt he's fresh off of Bolitnikoff but again just running streaks and go routes from the slot that's it go watch Jalen Hyatt film and I'm not even a huge film guy it's incredibly uninspiring unless you're addicted to watching wind sprints and Fun. then yeah like and even then like he's six foot 176 pounds so his four foot or four four flat 40 is impressive but that's like a 50th percentile speed score because he's 176 pounds and six feet tall and he's just so happens to also be the biggest wide receiver on the room like i'm not really interested in any of these guys but for that matter it's are the giants going to throw the ball deep is brian dayball going to run a brian a more brian dayball offense and i'm in agreement with mike that no, I think they're actually going to regress a little bit as well. But if they're going to throw the ball deep, it's Jalen Hyatt. I think the guy that actually has the most upside in this offense because of the dump offs, because he's the actually like highest percentile athlete. He's coming in off of an ACL tear. Yeah, but I think Wandale Robinson is the guy that is actually going to get touches, especially if Saquon holds out. Cause now you're talking about super short yardage, a guy that you can line up in the backfield as well. And I, I know that's the thing that you like, it is a rarity with wide receivers, but really a lot of Juan Nail's production did come from the backfield while he was in college. So he's the guy that I, I like the most out of this offense at ADP, but I'm not interested really in drafting any of these guys outside of best ball formats. Yeah, it's rough in the in the redraft waters to try to. There's literally, like, I don't understand where they're going to line these guys up at, and I don't think they do either. In, I, in best ball, ahead. I've been. Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins are kind of who I've taken some shots on, but like I'm not super confident in any of these guys. I've got 16 slot wide receivers on the roster. It makes no sense. Guys, I think Isaiah Hodgins is the answer to who's going to... I disagree. He's the one guy that himself. I like had the fewest notes about, and I think a lot of that comes from... Like you're playing with Josh Allen, like you're in and it's, it's not even good production. Like it was like what what good production are we hoping from? for 
Isaiah Hodgins. He had a, a little bit last year when everybody was hurt on the offense for the Giants. And like, again, the best Brian Dayball's offense is with Josh Allen. I don't think we're getting that from Daniel Jones. I think that the one thing that makes Isaiah Hodgins stand out from the rest of these guys is that he's 6'3". I, sometimes it just comes down that to that. Kind I think, of the, yeah. That, I think that's just what it's going to be because when you look at his games where he he finishes a wide receiver two or better last last year from week 13 uh, to week 17, he finishes a wide receiver two or better in four out of those five weeks. And the reason why is because five recessions, 44 yards, that's not getting you, but a touchdown week 14 versus Philly touchdown week 16 at Minnesota touchdown week 17 versus Indy touchdown. And I think and you Darren Waller's here too. That That is true. Um, Darren Waller, I think is the, is definitely the number one target on the team. And we're going to be talking about Darren Waller in just a second, but if, if we had to go wide receiver, I think that Isaiah Hodgins is because he gives you a, a different look than the rest of these guys. Although I like Wandale, he's five. I think eight, Wandale Robinson guy. could lead the team in targets. I I could see it. I could see it happen with small guys. It's hard with to, like seventy eight targets at that. Like not. I'm not saying that they're going to be a lot either. I'm not going to like. But I think he could legitimately lead the team in targets. It's going to be one of those offenses where it's just spread around. So the Giants made a big move this offseason, and that was for tight end Darren Waller, who is historically one of the better tight ends in the league, but has had his injury issues over the last few seasons. Uh, Michael, how are you looking at Darren Waller this year? He's going in that area, uh, like tight end six or tight end seven, like in that range where historically, if you draft a tight end in that range, you usually regret it. So how are you feeling? My is it possible that you might feel good about one giant? Yeah, we all know Darren Waller is a super talented athletic receiver at the tight end position. Going off the board at tight end seven on underdog um, and tight end six on FFPC, Tim. So you said six or seven. It's literally both of those, depending on the platform. The only question mark is his injury history, of course, since his monster back-to-back years of 1,100-plus yard seasons in 2019 and 2020. Waller's combined for roughly... 1050 yards over 20 games over the last few years which is about 52 and a half points per game um in 2021 he was sixth in points per game in 2022 um excuse me in 2021 he was sixth in points per game in 2020 he was 10th so there was a bit of a drop off in 2022 he was 10th i'm getting confused with the years sorry but there was a bit of a drop off playing around and with injuries as can be expected as well, but now he's supposed to be fully healthy. The Giants were willing to trade a valuable draft pick to acquire him, which is not something that could be uh, just not considered here when you're looking at the weapons that the Giants have to offer at the moment. And he's still only 30 years old, turning 31, which is not necessarily old for a tight end. And his legs are much fresher than most tight ends typically are his age, since you know he dealt with the uh, the abuse issues. Um, the substance abuse issues and then entered the league again later on in his career. So there's absolutely reason for optimism here. Um, Brian Dable has gotten solid production out of tight ends that are not even close to Darren Waller's level. If we're being honest, like last season, the giants tight ends led by the rookie Daniel Bellinger and no names still managed to put up over 500 receiving yards, which is not nothing um, in an offense where Daniel Jones like didn't even pass for that many yards to begin with. Got Dawson we also, Knox paid too. Yeah, and we also saw Dawson Knox compile a breakout top ten tight end season in twenty twenty one under Dable's tutelage as well. So while Waller does come with some risk, of course, and I do expect some regression here in the Giants' offense, his clear top five tight end upside, um, which means I think he's a value right now at his current ADP, and I, I don't have really any issue drafting him. It's really the injury concerns. 
I feel like yeah. that's the the main yeah. thing with him because it always seems like he's on his way to a great season and then there's an injury. But you gotta love a place where the tight. If you if you're drafting a tight end, you want a Travis Kelsey, you want a Mark Andrews, because these guys are the number one options in their offenses. And if you look around the league, where else can you find the tight end and the number one op- option in the offense? There's not many. Darren Wall is one of them. So definitely something to be said there. But looking beyond just this year, the Dynasty Don is to my left. To my Close left. It, my left, your right. Um, Word. So Dynasty Stash, what do you got for us, my man? Uh, it's it's Eric Gray, um, the rookie running back. Uh, I think obviously Saquon's dealt with injuries, obviously did not get that contract extension, is franchise tagged, holding out, technically not under contract because he's yet to sign the tag as well. So he can't be fined for skipping practices, missing training camp, all of that good stuff. While he's not in camp, Eric Gray is. And Eric Gray is getting first team reps and Eric Gray is a decisive runner. He's not going to be a home run hitter. He doesn't have that uh, long end speed, but his short area burst and he's got good fluid running. Uh, He's got really good production out of college, obviously uh, four years, but still great production. He's also a reliable threat of the backfield, really good um, hands, really good at blocking. Probably why he was actually picked up where he was in the draft, albeit late was likely for those third down roles. Um, Just to, you know, give the lead back a bit of a spell in situations where you need a pass blocker, somebody that's going to set in there, chip up and then hop back out. But if there is no lead running back, then there's a guy that now can earn a three down opportunity share. And although he's not, you know, the most athletic, certainly, and it doesn't have elite size or speed, uh, you give a guy 220 touches as a rookie and you're going to see production that you want to be stashing. I like interesting. It. It's an interesting one. What do you think that he has the chops to beat out Matt Breida for that like kind of handcuffy role? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I, I also think that Matt Breida is like he's the honorable mention of this dynasty stash. And it wasn't even necessarily uh, before the holdout, but again, it, it, injury concerns and a guy that has had success in a dayball offense before, um, being the spellback in Buffalo. So, so it just also just sorry just to cut sorry to cut you off here, but interesting comparisons of Eric Gray um, on the Broto comps app, uh, on the app. So just so you guys know, if you haven't seen the the comps on the app, what we do, what uh, the the math and magician Casanova does, is he it, there's like an AI component where we have the most predictive stats in college. We compile all those stats and then we. You know, and also like height, weight, things of that nature. And then we give you five comparisons of where their career might be headed with a confidence level as well. Some of the guys that you see here, Michael Carter, Carlos Hyde, Sony Michelle, Evan Royster, and Mike Davis. So, you know, five guys who were not superstars, kind of like what you were talking about, Matt, but serviceable fantasy running backs for a period of time when they had opportunity. Shout so, out Evan Royster. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Evan Royster won some people's championships. And that's it. It's really coming down to the opportunity room, but that that's that's where I like to lean for these dynasty stashes is obviously I'm going to head a little bit of youth, but there seems to be a clear, you know, depth chart order here. And if there is no lead back, you're going to see some guys put up some decent production. 
That is all for our New York Giants preview. We will be seeing you tomorrow for the Philadelphia Eagles. The defending- Eagles! Wow, that was annoying. The uh, the defending NFC East champion and NFC yeah, overall yeah, champion. Yeah. Uh, Eagles. When was the last time you watched Scrubs, Tim? Come on, it's, it's been a while. Probably the last time. Like I, the last time I watched Scrubs, the Eagle was, chant, bro. Last time I watched Scrubs, it was on my parents' television. One hundred percent. Now I am a parent of two. Um, with that being said, apparently this is the end. Uh, at Brodo FF Tim, at Brodo FF Mike, at Psychoid FF. Also. At Brodo Fantasy, at FF App. Yes, that's what it is. Right? At no, at FF, FF by, by Brodo. Brodo. Excuse yeah, me. Bro. Uh, the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, uh, BrodoFantasy.com and Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy is a sports show. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace out.